Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first-century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this episode. One criticism that is occasionally leveled at the United Pentecostal Church International and other church organizations is that, in the view of some, there is no precedent for such entities in the New Testament. Even some oneness Pentecostals believe organizations like the UPCI are are just man-made and that they possess no spiritual authority. They would point out that the Bible doesn't contain any record of general superintendents or communications directors, for that matter, or any of the other titles that are used by the UPCI and similar organizations. So in view of the critics, these extra these are all just extra-biblical inventions of, of men. How do you respond to these arguments, and what do you see as the benefits of an organization like the UPCI? Why should an apostolic church or believer want to belong to something like this? First of all, biblical uh, uh, religious organizations or church organizations are biblical. But second, the precise form is not required. What I'm saying, in other words, is the principle of organization is clear in Scripture. We must have some kind of organization for the local church and some kind of organization for the broader church. That does not mean you have to belong to the United Pentecostal Church International to be saved, to have a valid ministry, or anything like that. However, I would like to say, if you read the book of Acts, was the church united? Was the church Pentecostal? Was it indeed a church? Was it international? So I guess you could say the United Apostolic Pentecostal Church International is found in the book of Acts. <laughs> now, uh, they didn't have a general superintendent by name. And I think one reason why we use uh, these other names is not only does it help us relate to modern society like communications director, but we do want to be very careful that there are some biblical roles that God chooses, and we don't want to claim well, this guy's an apostle, this guy's a prophet, or or this guy's a bishop, unless you define what he's a bishop of. And so the way to avoid a lot of the theological questions, well, what kind of authority are you trying to assert? Well, we just say, we'll, we'll, we'll have a role that's defined, you know, uh, uh, that's not in the Bible, so we can define it according to how we're using it. And then there's no confusion or doubt as to what kind of authority we're asking for. But to the criticism that all oh, organizations are man-made, well, let's talk about the local church. Is the local church biblical? Well, certainly, Hebrews 10 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Um, but my local church, the structure of that church, whatever the church government is, if they have a church board or they don't have a church board, if they have a business meeting of the congregation or they don't, if they have a Sunday school teacher or a Sunday school superintendent or a youth pastor or, you know, those things are, do they have a church building? Do they have a choir? Do they have a praise team? Do they have, um, you know, pews? Do they have chairs? You know, none of that is biblical in the sense of the Bible requiring it. So in that sense, 
the particular form of church government of that local assembly is man-made. So we would say the local church is God's idea, but the precise form is human constructed. That doesn't mean it's wrong. That doesn't mean you shouldn't go to the local church. That doesn't mean you can just pick and choose whatever church you want because, hey, it's all man-made. No, it is the local church is our way of fulfilling biblical principles. And the fact that everything is not specified, I think, is intentional. That's God's way of saying you have Christian liberty. I go back to Romans 14. A lot of things are left to our discretion. And in fact, Matthew 16 uh, talking in the context of church government and planting a church, grow, building the church. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And that's not unlimited authority, but I think that's his way of saying to the church, when you make certain decisions to fulfill my plan, I will honor them. I will back them up. So even though, say, a local church could have, like, let, let's say you have two local churches in the same city. They have two different buildings. Uh, they might have two different forms of church government. They might have two different times where they have church. They might have two different types of children's programs. All those things could be different, but both could be the will of God. And if you're a member of that church, it could be the will of God to be you to be faithful to that one church and not go to the other church and vice versa. So even though there are differences, that's on purpose. So I believe God, the New Testament doesn't specify all the details of a local church because God recognizes that could vary based on culture, time, location, personality, needs. You know, what works in Palestine in the first century might not always be the best for U.S. and Canada in the 21st century. So God lets you be flexible to that. He lets you choose different ways of doing that. Um, he didn't require a bus ministry in the first century or an internet presence in the first century because that wouldn't have been possible. But he allows it in the 21st century. He doesn't require us to, to ride donkeys to church. You know, We could actually do something different. So what I said of the local church, the, the principle is biblical, and the fact that you should belong to the local church is biblical, but the way that local church is constructed is man-made. Nevertheless, God honors that, and you can't just say, well, my attendance and participation is optional because it's man-made. No, it's a man-made structure designed to fulfill a biblical principle, and therefore you're obligated to follow that. Well, all I've said is true beyond the local church because when you read the book of Acts, it's obvious the churches work together. So, for example, in Acts 15, the apostles and elders, so that would be the ministers, the preachers, the pastors, they all gathered in Jerusalem to decide, can Gentiles come directly into the church and join the church without accepting the Jewish law, or do they need to keep the Jewish law? Do they need to be circumcised and so on? And so they had the first council, and they made that decision for the whole church. Then in Acts 16, they sent delegates to each local church telling them, here is what we decided in Jerusalem, and we're telling you to follow that. Obviously, each local church was not independent. Each church considered itself to be part of a larger body, and they felt obligated to follow the teachings of the larger body. When the apostles and elders in Jerusalem wrote these letters and sent 
emissaries to go to each local church to read the letter. Here was our decision. They expected every local church to follow that. They didn't expect any local church to write back saying, you know what? We disagree with your decision. So we're resigning from the United Apostolic Pentecostal Church International, and we're just going to go on our own. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to be uh, to be part of a different organization or to switch organizations under certain conditions. Although you usually wouldn't expect that same with local churches, but there should be some organization being strictly independent doesn't seem to be biblical because it seems the principle of organization beyond the local church is also biblical. So while the precise structure is left to our discretion, i.e. Christian Liberty, God will back up our decision. So if we say, if you want to be an ordained minister, here's the process. So the fact that we should have ordained ministers is God's plan. But how we decide to recognize that, God gives us the discretion. So one group could have one way, another could have another, or we ourselves could change our policy. And God would honor that because that's within our discretion. But the fact that we should have ordained ministers, that's a biblical principle. Uh, likewise, if you read the epistles, you find lots of organization. So the Apostle Paul writes and commends certain leaders. I'm sending this preacher to you, or if this preacher comes, accept him. Or this preacher has fallen into false doctrine, don't receive him. The Apostle John, his letters, same thing. Uh, so you have what is the equivalent of ministerial credentials and revoking ministerial credentials. It's not stated in such a way. And we have our own system, but the fact that there is a system of credentialing and removing credentials or discipline, that's a biblical principle. Another example, so Paul in Galatians, he said, uh, Peter was recognized as the apostle to the Jews. I was recognized as the apostle to the Gentiles. So in some sense, the larger church said, Paul, you're going to be the foremost spokesman to the Gentile world. So maybe we should say global missions director. Gentile missions director. <laughs> but then in Acts 21, he reported to the elders in Jerusalem. He felt like he was obligated to report to them, get their advice, and he followed their advice. So he felt like he was working under the authority of the broader church. So then in, in the book of Titus, Paul writes to Titus, his son in the gospel, and he says, you're in Crete. So Crete is an island off the coast of Greece. It's part of the nation of Greece today. And he says, I'm asking you to ordain elders in every church. So Crete had many different towns. And he says, Titus, I want you to set up churches and organize them and appoint elders. So elders would be the pastors. So whether it be a pastoral team or in a, in a city, you could have a number of house churches and each one would have an elder. So there, there might be a team of elders for the city, which would be equivalent to pastors of small groups or small churches. So notice there implicitly, we don't have a detailed description, a job description or, or the exact flow of authority, but you can see at least four levels of authority. So here you have local church members who have elders in charge of them. Titus is overseeing the whole island of Crete, which is a region. Paul is overseeing Titus and giving him instructions as the apostle to the Gentiles. And then Paul is reporting to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So from the local level to the elders, to Titus, to Paul, to um, the uh, collected apostles and elders and the council in Jerusalem and James, the brother of the Lord, not one of the 12 apostles, was looked like the spokesman and the leader, both in Acts 15 and Galatians 
the book of Galatians chapter 2, uh, 1 and 2, is seen as the leader in Jerusalem. So actually, if you count the, the local church members, you've got five layers of organization. That sounds like an organized church to me. So while we don't know the details, it is absolutely clear. And then when you talk about, um, so, so there's, there's a program for global missions, missionaries, support of missionaries, raising offerings to help the poor in Jerusalem, raising offerings to help Paul's missionary journeys. You know, I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but pretty much all the types of functions that we have, not the details, but the concepts, we actually see in some form uh, in the New Testament. So to answer the question, yes, the concept of church organization is biblical. The details are human constructed, but God honors those details as long as they're in accordance with the scriptural principles. And in fact, God says he's going to back it up. The decisions that we make, and you see this also in Matthew 18, if we make decisions for discipline in church government, uh, in a positive way, two or three are gathered together and I'm in their midst. Two or three pray on something. I'll honor that. Um, if there's a problem between two people, bring it to the church and the church makes the decision. So you see that kind of structure, not only within one local assembly, but as you read the book of Acts and the whole New Testament, the epistles, you see that kind of structure beyond the local assembly. And so uh, to summarize, so why should we have organization? Number one, it's a biblical concept. And you can also bring in Old Testament precedents as well, which I don't have time to do. Number one, it's a biblical concept. Uh, number two, to promote world missions. We have to organize. Number three, for um, approval of ministries, approved by God, but also by the church. You see that in Acts 13. Um, number four, accountability. So to make sure that our ministers are living according to God's word and they're qualified. The first Timothy three and Titus one gives qualifications for ministers. Well, how could you recognize those qualifications and hold people accountable to those qualifications and recognize when they've lost their qualifications unless you, unless you have an organization that goes beyond the local church. So for accountability and then for doctrinal integrity. Uh, Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. So the doctrine and the fellowship, uh, there is in nutshell form, I believe, fellowship, unity, and organization is a biblical principle. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.